Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. St. Louis has a nice history of romance and heartbreak involving individuals and even communities. Who better to take a look than the folks from Renegade STL? Renegade STL offers tours reflecting the sometimes less well-known history of St. Louis, and it apparently has a sharp eye for where the love bug has bitten and on occasion swallowed the romantically inclined. Joining me in studio are Amanda Clark, the founder of Renegade STL. Elizabeth Eichmann is her business partner and a Ph.D. student in the American Studies Department at St. Louis University. Thank you both. So, much for being here this pre-Valentine's Day discussion. Thank you for having us. And yeah, Amanda, we're happy Amanda to be it's here. been a couple of years since you were with us, and I understand you're still trying to get over an incident that happened then. I am. I do need to just start out with this. Um, I was on two years ago, and there was a very important word that I couldn't remember. And just for anyone that's been waiting on the edge of their <laughs> seat for two years, the word was stereoscope. Stereoscope, and you thank your partner yes. for that. Yes. What yeah, were you so doing was, at the time, Elizabeth? <laughs> sitting in my office, listening to this great talk, and listening to him go, what's the word? What's the word? And I'm yelling, stereoscope! Unfortunately, she couldn't hear me, but we cleared it up afterwards, and I'm glad we're here today to set the record straight. I'm glad you are, too. I'm glad <laughs> that's out of the way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the business at hand. Amanda, I'll start with you. Um, did you start this project looking for offbeat love, or, or, or how did it all get going? I'm always looking for off- offbeat love. <laughs> but no, um, the proj- we, Renegade launched around Valentine's Day five years ago. So it's always it's our birthday. It's St. Louis's birthday. is around this time of year. And each year we've kind of done something different with love-themed, either the love of downtown, love of the city. And so this project this year was like, how can we totally turn it on its head and do something different that we haven't done before? Right. Elizabeth, how do you research something like this? A lot, of the, a lot of the love stories are sort of private. Yeah, absolutely. So our research goes from diving into published books, visiting local libraries, library and research center, um, to dig through archives, newspaper accounts, we search high and low. What are you going to do with all of this information you've compiled? Well, <laughs> we're going to host an event on mm-hmm. Wednesday called Three One Forever um, in celebration of the stories of love, loss, all surrounding St. Louis. Amanda will be giving our talk through history. So it'll be a little different from our regular tours, which travel through the city. So this time your seat is going to be sitting still. And uh, you'll get to listen to Amanda share all these wonderful love stories. Yes. To my mother's comfort, I won't be hurtling through time and space. This is going to be at the Novel Neighbor in Webster Groves at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm sure that's going to be a fun evening. Amanda, back to you. Is there a standout love story that uh, you're going to begin with or is it going to be the the climax of this discussion? Yes, absolutely. Um, My favorite love story is Ulysses S. Grant and his wife, Julia. Um, That's, uh, I know he did some other stuff in life. I think it's important. It's well-trodden. But the love story and the love between him and his wife just gets me every time. What's special about it? Um, it just really feels like true love. You know, mm-hmm. it's the great, it's this simple story of the dude comes home, sorry, the guy comes home with, you know, his college roommate, meets the college roommate's sister, takes a liking to her, and realizes he can't live without her. Right. Uh, you, you also brought, as I understand it, a, a love letter that really kind of illustrates the, the depth of this passion. Yes. And one of the things I love about it is that, you know, he's, it just really shows this incredibly vulnerable, insecure, soft side of this man that's also known for this in, being this intense war, you know, 
uh, person. Well, let's have so, a listen. So the, just it's a little quote from a letter, and just to give it context, he Grant was very insecure about her love for him, and that while he was gone for long periods of time, you know, he was really worried that she was, you know, either meeting other men or someone else would get her affection, and that she didn't, you know, she wouldn't stay in love with him. It's like so. every GI whoever exactly. left the exactly. neighborhood. Right? Yeah, all of these sort, none of these things are. <laughs> Or to unique. Okay, so in this little quote from the letter, um, he was really worried that you know that he said it too much that because he would write her a lot and he, she didn't write him as much and <laughs> that always stinks. Okay, so you say in your letter that I must not grow tired of hearing you say how much you love me. Indeed, dear Julia, nothing you can say sounds sweeter. When I lay down, I think of Julia until I fall asleep, hoping that before I wake. I may see her in my dreams. Oh, very, very right. pretty. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I hope he was sober at the time. The man was known to take <laughs> to take a drink from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Elizabeth, let me turn to you. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, um, I think even though it's uh, sort of a sometimes well-known story, it's still a classic story that we'll, we'll tell between um, Frankie Baker and Alan Britt. Everyone might really know the story as the one between Frankie and Johnny, the song that's popularized later. Uh, His name has changed because um, Alan doesn't really rhyme well with uh, anything. (laughs) So um, in 1889, he comes home drunk from a bar. Maybe he and Grant had a little something in common. It's a common theme here. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Comes home from a bar, starts a fight. She's not taking, she's not hearing any of it. Pulls a pistol out from under her pillow shoots him he dies four days later in the hospital and ultimately she's freed from any charges the judge rules it self-defense but sort of the legacy of this lives on through a song later in the 1930s a movie is made the um, trial is read again in court in the 1940s and you know Amanda and I are sort of talking about the legacy of this why we're so stuck up on this and the uh, the sort of response that I came up with was that, you know, Frankie is a woman who behaved badly. Mm-hmm. She did, you know, what you're not supposed to do. I mean, nobody should shoot their boyfriend, but women <laughs> especially shouldn't. <laughs> well, he was behaving fairly badly as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, he uh, didn't really come out of that on top mm-hmm. <laughs> per se. But, um, yeah, she sort of lived with that her whole life and the legacy of that hanging over her her entire life. And, um, you know, many people today still know of that. The shooting happened here in St. Louis in their home um, in the Targhee neighborhood, which uh, was demolished in the 1930s for the building of what is now the Peabody Opera House. So that happened right in a place that many of us know and probably visit a lot. Mm-hmm. Is there a plaque or anything like that that would uh, commemorate or... Probably not. not. That I know. Probably not. Amanda, um, when we think of Dredd and Harriet Scott, mm-hmm. we normally think of the famous uh, Supreme Court case. The and, Dredd and, Scott uh, case. I, yeah. yeah. What did I say? Did <laughs> the, I, oh, no, I'm saying it, it's called the Dredd. The, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So you're, you're making a point here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I do that. Um, although Harriet, in her in her own right, was quite uh, quite a remarkable person. But anyway, when we think of them, we think of that case. Um, but you can look at it differently. Well, I, you know, I, in writing this presentation and digging through all of these things, I kind of thought of the different kinds of love. It's not just romantic love, but, you know, 
Dredd and Harriet Scott, their love changed the world. And the, the bond that they had and the family that they were growing, you know, that propelled them forward. And, and you know, it's called, the, again, the Dred Scott case because later the, both of their cases came together as one. But mm-hmm. originally they both walked into that courthouse and filed suit. So, and then he, you know, he is significantly older than she is. And he, he dies very shortly after uh, the verdict is read. And she goes on to live for a long time and enjoy the freedom and live a very independent life here in St. Louis and taking care of her daughters and just being this really strong female uh, historic character. You know, you mentioned the daughters, and that's another part of the love story because they had to spirit the daughters away, as I remember history, uh, because they were concerned that there would be a backlash and the daughters might be in some jeopardy. So family love is Mm -hmm. also a part of this. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. What about, uh, Elizabeth, unrequited love? Unrequited love. It's not reciprocated. Do we have any story? I mean, that does Mm. happen. Well, so... uh, This is sort of related, but um, another story that we'll talk about is in 1885, there was another murder. Why is that the theme for me today? (laughs) I'm concerned about this. We'll move on. Um, Inside the Southern (laughs) Hotel that drew attention because the two involved were um, rumored to have been in a relationship, and the two involved were two men. So um, Charles Preller was murdered. He was found um, stuffed in a trunk. And um, his supposed partner, Hugh Brooks, um, was later charged um, and and hung for that murder. So um, and weird thing that uh, Amanda and I discovered earlier was that Hugh Brooks was known as the little chloroformer. That was his. It's a great murderer name. Yes, mm. it is. So um so, I don't know how that's unrequited, though. Let's spend yeah. that. We like to spend things. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bro- broken broken that, hearts? Yes. I think that was requited. Yeah. Was. Yeah, absolutely. And it certainly would have been a love that wasn't um, socially acceptable. So, um, you know, who knows about the sort of social consequences and um, context for that. But it would have been a secret, private, um, obviously turned bad. Sure. Certainly a, a different time, no question about that for Absolutely. this sort of thing. W- what uh, what else have you got, Amanda, that uh, you think folks would be interested in? <clears throat> We've got something that people are always interested in, which is the social evils law mm-hmm. and the social evils ordinance. Um, for those that are unfamiliar, from 1870 to I think it's 1874, St. Louis – had completely, you know, they legalized prostitution um, as as a means to regulate uh, re- regulate venereal disease and regulate the practice of the prostitution and the, it was taxes and you had to check in yes, and all these things. Importantly, and, to yes, collect the taxes. Very importantly to collect, <laughs> and those taxes paid for a special hospital that were for the um, the women that were registered um, as prostitutes and this, um, and people are always fascinated by this little piece of St. Louis history. Um, this is uh, gets into kind of the lust uh, portion of the of the discussion. Most definitely, and when researching this, I found in I think it's eighteen seventy three ish, the mayor of St. Louis takes a group of people on a tour of the Social Evils Hospital and to you know tout its um, greatness. But he does give as part of his speech, he clarifies that it is much easier to regulate the women and and because of their behavior, it's easier to regulate that than to regulate the men that are paying them. Because in his words, if we were to do that, we would have to have a patrolman at every door. The, the tour aspect of it, I'm sure, is something that caught your eye, given given what you do. Yes. Yeah. 
We have to take a break. We'll do that now. We're talking with Amanda Clark and Elizabeth Eichmann of Renegade STL, and they've done a lot of research on the subject of love and St. Louis love. And we're going to come back and continue our discussion of that. If you've got a love story, a St. Louis love story you'd like to share, a quick story it would have to be, uh, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email at talk at stlpublicradio.org or tweet at STL on air. We'd love to hear from you. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back as we continue our conversation with Amanda Clark and Elizabeth Eichmann on St. Louis Romance. Okay, where do we go from here with regard to these love stories? What what have we left out so far? Well, I mean, there's the people, the love, yeah. and then there's the people. You know, the event is called 3-1 Forever, and it really celebrates my love of St. Louis. I am not from here, and so I've had to fall hard and deep in love with the city. So that's I think that's why it always kind of resonates with me. Um, and so we also deal with things, places that people love, you know, mm. Um, and I don't want to give away some of the some of the fun things, but you know the the arch or the the Eats Bridge or Forest Park, you know, great places to fall in love in the city, as well. One of the things I know that you pay a little bit of attention to, we talk about uh, broken hearts, was the great divorce. Mm-hmm. That is the what was eighteen seventy six. The city and the county split and, and has so remained ever since. That's uh, that's part of your love story. Yeah, and uh, we're sort of spinning that as the one relationship that we can't seem to get over. You know, (laughs) there are discussions year after year about, you know, the city and county reuniting and coming back together. Um, So I think that's also, we're going to kind of have fun with that a little bit. Um, I mean, should they do it for the kids? I mean, what? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, they should really (laughs) work it out. Yeah, and, and, and we decided to hold the event in the county. So we're sort of trying to make peace with that. Um, taking our our typical city sort of escapades out into the county. They've been talking about reconciliation for a long, long time, and it hasn't happened yet. Yep. Let's take a call. Lisa is joining us from St. Louis County. She's got a story to tell. Go ahead, Lisa. You're on the air. Yes, I'm reminded about Henry Shaw. He never married. He did apparently have a lady friend, and when they broke up, he had given her piano, he wanted his piano back, and there was a big court case about it. I don't remember the outcome, but I think that's a pretty good one. Is that one you're familiar with, ladies? It's one I've heard. I know there's a good talk coming up soon at the Tower Grove um, maybe Friends Association is having a lecture on that mm-hmm. uh, whole story soon. How about the subject of affairs? I mean, we talked about Frankie and Johnny, but are there any other famous stories that uh, come to mind that you maybe found in your research? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not that I can think of. Hmm. Not. What did you learn about love in, in doing your research on love um, in St. Louis? I don't know if I learned much. I, I always am underscore that I am an incredibly hopeless romantic, so I'm drawn to the, you know, as we were doing our research and all of my stuff is super sappy and I just really love love letters and all that kind of stuff. So, And I think, you know, what we try to do all the time is take these big themes and kind of spin it, find a different story to tell. So we're starting with this theme of love, but, you know, that extends to different kinds of love or different expressions of love or, um, you know, whether it's passion or loss or admiration um, for 
people, buildings, places. So we're just trying to, um, you know, sort of express our love for St. Louis in, in different ways and, and celebrate that and have a little fun and maybe learn something along the way. What have you found with regard to expressions of love, for instance? I mean, are, are there any that stand out? We had a very nice letter from our friend General Grant to wife Julia. Um, <clears throat> any other things that uh, come to mind? Um, I can do more Grant stuff. But um, <laughs> on the day they were married, he gave her a picture of himself in a little locket. But um, Well, I think actually this is a, a spin, but I think it's related. Um, in 1849, when the White Cloud steamboat catches on fire and we lose 400 buildings along the riverfront, um, that same fire was the um, – the moment in American history when the first fire chief dies. And so, you know, in some ways, his love for St. Louis, he, you know, was out protecting. And amazingly, we didn't we didn't lose as many lives as you would think for a fire that lasts five hours, um, protecting and, and, you know, saving important buildings that we have today. So um, perhaps we could we could spin it that way and think about his love for St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amanda's like, yes. 1849 was a fairly interesting year because not only what the, was the Great Fire taking place, but also the cholera epidemic, which took hundreds and hundreds of lives that yes. really set the city back uh, quite remarkably. So probably in general, 1849 is a year that we as St. Louisans don't love. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was not a great year. <laughs> Anything else you want to bring to the uh, table of love before we maybe move on to some other things? No, I mean, other than just, I think it's St. Louis itself is a city that kind of suffers from a little bit of a, like, self-esteem issue. And I like to do anything that (laughs) makes people fall in love with it or celebrate their love of it. Um, Well, as you said, uh, that that was the genesis of Renegade Mm -hmm. STL. Uh, We've talked a couple of times in past years, Amanda, about uh, the organization and the tours that you take. Um, how has that been going? Is it uh, is it prospering? Very much so. It's yeah. fantastic. We've been do- we're we're now doing tours on everything from uh, we have our badass babes, we have disasters and catastrophes, and then we have manufacturing a tour where I basically drive a bus up Broadway and I talk about all of the nondescript industrial buildings along the river and what amazing things are happening inside of them. Are you involved in the in the tours as well, Elizabeth? Yes. Um, earlier this summer, Amanda and I became official business partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so together we design new tours, do the research. Um, we each own our own tours and own versions of them, give the tours sometimes together, mm-hmm. um, mostly separate. So um, it's it's been a lot of fun for me as a, as a student, uh, as a graduate student, because I get to sort of take all of the stuff, if you will, that I read about and study all day and share it with people who are really, truly interested and passionate about learning about their city and paying attention to places that they walk by every day but haven't really even taken a moment to, to look at, much less learn something about. Amanda, I've heard some people uh, sort of describe what you do as being a little bit over the top in the sense that it's not, it's not the typical, not no. the typical things that you do. Give us, give us some sense of, I mean, you mentioned badass babes a little while ago. Yeah. I'm not going to try to speculate on what that's about, <laughs> but you, you can tell us, but that yeah. sort of indicates what we're talking about. Yeah, that's about. our women's history tour, you yeah. know, and that's, we do we we celebrate the women in St. Louis history and things that they've done and we go to parts of the city that and it's always kind of an underlying thing on all of our tours is let's go to parts of the city that normal tours wouldn't go to and I mean I would say 90 
99% of the people that go on our tours are not tourists. Yeah. Um, although we do a lot of private tours for, for out-of-town groups, mm-hmm. but most it's so many people that just want to know more than just than the stuff they see on TV. And yeah. yeah. And our favorite thing, really, we hear it all the time, but it's still a favorite, is hearing from people who have lived in St. Louis for decades say, I've never been here before, mm-hmm. and I've lived here my whole life, or I've lived here 20 years. So um, we we just try to show people their own city. And, and how do they react to some of these places they've never seen before? Happily. Yeah, and so happy it. to have either the the – mystique you know that the veil Mm -hmm. is dropped and they're able to see a part of the the city they wouldn't really have seen and they get to see big history stories huge history stories you know fairgrounds park blows everybody away every single time Mm -hmm. when they realize the importance of these parts of the city that have been kind of forgotten what what are some of the other places that uh, surprise people you mentioned sportsman's park but well, fair, yeah, Fairgrounds. Then a little, little off the beaten track. Yeah. Um, some places in Carondelet. We don't want to give away too many of our secrets, but yeah. Some places in Carondelet. The Water Towers mm. all uh, of are a big one. Bissell Street and Grand. Um, you know, we drive by and people are always like, what's this big thing in the middle? And I'm always like, oh, give us one second. We're going to get out and go look at it. Um and that's the thing. We, do, we get out and oh, we go yeah. look at the water towers and, mm-hmm. and we, we get people out into the city and not just on a bus, but we get them out into the city as well. Is that uh, largest freestanding Corinthian column in the world <laughs> on North Grand, is that, is that actually a water tower or, or it, not? It was. It, it was. was. It was originally um, a standpipe water tower. Um, so it pumped the water up. Gravity brings it down, provides water pressure to the surrounding area. Um, that general area of the city is on a hill, and so that helped mm-hmm. as well. That's why there's two of them there. Um, but they were obsolete once the Bissell plant went in near the river. Um, but there are seven of those left in the United States, mm-hmm. and we have three of them. Wow. Right. So that's pretty cool. Do, do you do a, a lot of tours north of the Del Mar Divide? Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, and what specifically are you looking at? We go, we go to the Ville. We go up to Hyde Park. Um, Gosh, all over. North St. Louis. But I would make the point, people are just as surprised when we go down to Carondelet, deep into that neighborhood, as they are when we go to Hyde Park. Those are, and we, we insist on seeing both ends of, that stri- of the spectrum. I imagine that uh, people go away from these tours having changed their views about a lot of things that they thought they, uh, thought they yeah. understood and, and knew. Yeah. yeah. We, we had a family last week that they don't all live here, but they've now made it a regular thing that when they get together, they go on a, rene- a private renegade tour and we do something new. Like whatever we didn't do last time, we're doing this time. That, that, how do we've got about a minute mm-hmm. left. How do people uh, get involved and, and sign up for one of these treks? They can visit our website, www.renegadestl.com, and click Book Now. All righty. We'll leave it at that. Ladies, thank you so much for being with us. Fun to talk about love in St. Louis. Amanda Clark and Elizabeth Eichmann of Renegade STL. A reminder, their event is tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock at the Novel Neighbor in Webster Groves. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. (music) 